There's a myth about fundraising that all donors give because of altruism. Today, we are here to correct that. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and welcome to the first day from the Fundraising School. I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. Sarah Conrath. She co-leads the doctoral program at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy and is a frequent speaker to the Fundraising School courses, including a new course that she's developing on the art of fundraising related to empathy, emotional intelligence, and other strong skills that we need to be successful fundraisers. And as a social psychologist, Sarah is an expert at looking at the motivations of why people give. And Sarah, in this article that came out in the Stanford Social Innovation Review, where our faculty looked at eight myths of charitable giving and philanthropy, you looked at this myth that all donors are altruistic. Not so. What do you mean? Well, they that is the number one thing they say. That's mm -hmm. the reason they give, yes. they say, is because they care. Mm -hmm. um, but there are so many reasons. We all have a kaleidoscope of, re of reasons to give. And I think one interesting reason is thinking about what can we get back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Most of us actually do think about how do we give to help others, um, but there's a type of person who is not having that mindset. And you're saying there are donors who say, what's in it for me? Even many, if they do have donors. altruism in their kaleidoscope of motivation. Well, they may have altruism lower down. And mm -hmm. any fundraiser you talk to will Maybe they're too professional to say it directly, but I've heard stories behind the scenes mm -hmm. of dealing with the donors who are not motivated by altruism, and what do you do? Mm -hmm. So what are some of those motivations, and what do we do? Well, the one is simply just narcissistic mm -hmm. attention in some way. So what can I get? Um, you owe me something. If I'm giving you, I get something back. Um, I want to look good. I want a reputation. Mm -hmm. I want... Um, my name on something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that is a motivation that many fundraisers deal with and uh, I think sometimes don't realize that everyone's in the same boat dealing with these people. Um, and then there are other motivations like just simply having trust in a nonprofit is a really important motivation for giving. And people won't give if they're nervous about the, nonprofit, the nonprofit's reputation. Because obviously if you're giving a gift and you care, then the nonprofit should be using your money for good. And if you're worried, you're not going to give. There's also um, people giving because of um, they feel guilty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They sometimes they want to give back to society. Um, but sometimes they give. A lot of times people give, like socially. I think a lot of our giving. We don't talk about this, but maybe my friend is giving to a cause, or my mom has had cancer, and now I'm paying attention, and. It's so socially embedded, we're being influenced both by other donors and what they're doing, but also by recipients and what they look like to us and whether, they're, whether we think they're worthy sometimes. Um, and also we're very influenced by fundraisers and how they ask us and the relationship we have with them. Fundraising happens at the speed of trust. Uh, and we need to understand with our empathy, our emotional intelligence, our active listening, to really discern those particular motivations of why that donor just might be interested in trusting us with their gift. And we need to get back to this topic of narcissism. And by the way, Sarah wrote a wonderful essay in the Wall Street Journal not too long ago that every fundraiser should read on this very topic. What do I do when I notice that the donor seems to be led by narcissism? Well, I, I, I would say the first step is suspend judgment. I think mm -hmm. it's really easy actually to have a, a moral stance of 
people should donate for altruistic reasons. And we can imagine why they should, because of course, if we're the recipient, we don't want someone to give for some other reason. We want them to give because they care. But yet, in the real world, people are giving for all kinds of reasons. And if we work for a nonprofit and we believe in the mission, then we need the gifts of anyone who's willing to give with some, I think, some boundaries on dirty money or whatever. But, mm. but a person who just has the motivation of they want some affirmation or attention or reputational, I think our job would be to then understand that person and figure out how to work with that person and just acknowledge that person's needs. Yeah, could you say more about that? How do we meet them there? Because if we meet somebody who's so overtly narcissistic, that might turn us off. And you said suspend judgment, absolutely. But then how do we meet them there? How do we start the conversation towards the philanthropic request? How do we frame the philanthropic request in a way that might be different if that person's primary motivation or one of their primary motivations is narcissism? I think the first step would be just to listen and try to identify what this person is wanting from the interaction, what's important to them and what they need. And as a fundraiser, the job is being a facilitator between the donor and the organization. So how can that person get what they need from the interaction in a way that's still mindful and respectful of both the organization and the recipients of the organization? I love that last point. Fundraisers are not beggars. We don't fundraise with apology. And there are donors who w will ask us to cross a line. You know, they want a recognition right. we're not willing to provide, or they want the gift to go uh, to an activity that we're not willing mm -hmm. to deliver. So certainly we are saying fundraisers still need to be able to say no when the potential gift is not aligned with your organization's values and passions. Uh, but you're also saying that as long as that criteria is met, we can still give that narcissistic donor the recognition that they need, right? It's something they need, and I think in some ways, even if we have a personal distaste for different motivations that are not altruistic, um, that's probably coming from a place of our own altruism because mm -hmm. we think it's important. And one way to express care for others is to try to understand who they are without judgment. Without judgment. And so how do we discern these many motivations? Uh, what advice do you have for fundraisers who are not expertly trained social psychologists? They're out in the field raising money. What are some of the cues? What do they watch for? What do they listen for as they're working with a prospective donor? Well, I'm going to be the nerd for a second and say that I do have a scale I've developed called the Donor Motive Scale. Yes. That is only 18 questions, but you could narrow it down to six to capture six main motivations. And that's available for free for anyone to use. So if you, if you think your donors would enjoy doing a little psychology quiz and they would, that would be fun for them, then you should use it. But most of the time you don't need a psychology quiz or some scientifically based survey to understand people. You just need to pay attention. Just observe, just listen, maybe ask the donor to share what's important to them about the organization mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or about the gift. Um, I have a story about actually someone I know, I won't name, who works for an organization that received a very large gift, millions of dollars. And this young woman was excited to meet the donor and had this idea of all the good and all the altruistic motivation this donor would mm -hmm, have. Mm -hmm. And when they sat down and had coffee and she just like leaned in and was like, so I really wanna know more about why you gave the gift. And the donor said, oh, you know, we needed to find a tax write-off. Yeah. And so this person I know is quite disappointed, actually, and a little bit annoyed. <laughs> but in reality, 
this person I know has a job and her organization is doing very well because the stoner was motivated by reducing their tax bill. And, you know, Sarah, I have a similar story in my own fundraising background. My previous employment, a statewide youth development organization, we had the good fortune of having one of the top 100 golf courses in America host us for a golf fundraiser. And I had members of my board say, people will donate to this event and come to this event only because they want to golf on the special golf course, not because they're interested in their your youth development cause. And my answer was, does it still say U.S. Treasury on the bottom of the money? That's okay. Because what I also knew is what, when they came to our golf event, they would still hear about our nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we could move them in that direction. But if their motivation was to play golf, we were glad to have them. Yeah. So I think that there's always, there's some ethical lines, like I kind of joked about, but like with, with dirty money, or, or there's, there's definitely debates right now yeah. about large donors and where their money's coming from. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking yeah. about people who've made their money honestly and want to give it, but it might not be for the reason that you think is right. But ultimately it is, if you believe in your cause, you are doing good for that cause by accepting gifts from people of all backgrounds. And as you say, I think people not only will be exposed to awareness about, of your cause, but we all can grow over time. And sometimes we grow by doing. And you know, the Scrooge effect, I really yeah. love that story. It's a good time of year to talk about it. Um, but just the idea that even if you start off a certain way with certain motivations, actually motivations are changeable over time. And I think part of nonprofits' missions include not just awareness, but growing their philanthropists um, to join them in the mission's true heart. I've heard you say, you've talked about Scrooge before. I wonder if you can expand on that just a little bit because Scrooge came first, but science backs up the story, right? Pretty much that, yeah, Scrooge was this, you know, stingy, ungenerous yeah. person who over having various experiences and life-altering life experiences becomes generous and realizes the error of his ways. And I mean, I think to some extent, narcissistic givers, they're giving so they can get back. They think giving maybe doesn't make sense. Why would they do it? And they're like, aha, taxes, great reason. A um, little bit Scrooge mentality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I believe that you know, they are who they are and you can accept them without judgment. But over time, it's also possible that people can grow and change and the nonprofits and the fundraisers can help to set an example and educate and, and develop with, co-develop with their donors. Dr. Sarah Conrath co-directs our doctoral program at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy and you see the type of leadership and expertise that we have. If you're thinking about donor motivations, uh, Sarah also has researched, written, and spoken extensively about the joy of giving. Of course, that's in the definition of our founder, Dr. Henry Rosso, that fundraising is teaching the joy of giving, the gentle art of doing so. It's the second chapter in our textbook written by Dr. Conrath. And if you're interested in that topic, one of our first podcasts from the Fundraising School, and they're all archived on our website, is on that specific topic. So Sarah, all donors do receive at least one thing when they give, and that's joy. On average, people yeah. on average after giving experience happiness. There's many different studies on this. Um, we actually we have really good quality experimental data, which means that we can say giving causes an increase in happiness. Um, we can't say that for everything, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for every different type of giving. Like with volunteering, it's more complicated mm -hmm. because it's very hard to tell someone <laughs> to volunteer. But for giving money, there's been really good evidence that there's a causal effect um, and it, pro it may not be for everyone, it's hard to say, mm -hmm. but definitely 
people feel it and know it. And it makes it tricky when it comes to motivation, actually, because then you can ask, well, if they're giving and then they feel good, are, can, you really, can they really be altruistic? Right. Well, we'll save that for the philosophy course. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Again, uh, information about the fundraising school is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. Now on that website, you'll see our research, you'll learn about our academic programs in addition to our doctoral program. We have our master's degree available in person or online. Of course, our bachelor's degree is available, quarterly webinars, custom training all over the world, and of course, these free weekly podcasts. It all starts at philanthropy.iupui.edu and then throw on the forward slash in the fundraising school to learn more about our executive education. With Dr. Sarah Conrad, I'm Bill Stanjakavich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Thank you.